Good morning. Well, it's uh, <clears throat> until last year at this time, in quite a few years since I've been giving any time for the NBA. I come from the days of Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson, Isaiah Thomas, Larry Bird, guys like that. So I haven't really been aware for quite a few years of what's been going on in basketball with the NBA. Didn't really know any of the players or any of the teams. And then last year I had a conversation with a couple guys during the playoffs and they uh, threw out the idea that I should uh, pick, a, pick a team and uh, get involved, see if I liked it again. And so I did. And, and as it ended up, I uh, picked the uh, Indiana Pacers and uh, watched it. I was watching the playoffs, watching them play the New York Knicks and thought, you know, I really like this team. I like the personality of the coach. I like the demeanor, the attitude of the players, and like the way they play. And, and, and they are also very good. And they actually ended up going as far as playing the Miami Heat last year and went, went six games and lost the seventh game. And so they had me as a fan by the time that was all, all said and done. And I've been, I started watching them at the beginning of the series. I've been watching games the whole time in regular season. And, and uh, but, you know, they, the fact for a period of time they were, they were leading uh, uh, the, the most wins of any team and people were even saying that it was possible that they might take on the Miami Heat this year and, and, and beat them. And so I'm really, I'm really getting into this. This is great. And, and then mid-March, something happened. They started losing games that they shouldn't lose and they would just there be they it's like they would show up for one game and then they wouldn't show up for the next game and you know they'd play great one time and not great the other time and that that kind of thing was going on and it was just really hard to see really uh, but they had me okay I, mean, I remember one night uh, in fact this was in the playoffs uh, uh, Roy Hibbert actually the center uh, Zero points, zero rebounds, and yeah, at the end of the game, you had just everybody's going, "How does the guy do that? He's seven feet tall." And so, that, I mean, they were getting trashed by people. And you listen to the commentators halftime. I didn't even like to listen to them because they were speaking badly about my team. And you know, I mean, I, I really get serious about this stuff when I get into it. Very loyal on on this kind of thing. And so I was, I was, you know, I hated to see this, these guys play so badly. I felt badly for them. I could see the, you know, the disappointment and the frustration they had with themselves that they weren't playing very good games, but I was their fan. I mean, how do you not like a group of guys like that, right? I mean, and so I even, I even, I, I, I wish, the whole thing is we came down to the end of this as we're watching the playoffs and, you know, they, they beat the Atlantic Hawks and they beat the Washington Wizards this last week and Thursday had the game, but through all that I was thinking, I wish I could just fix it. You know, I wish I had the power to fix that. I even asked, mentioned to somebody that maybe I should go there, you know, and, and tell them my story, that here, I'm their fan, and you know, and, and pray for them, you know. It was going through all that kind of stuff, and so I'm still hoping that they're going to finish well. In fact, this afternoon, 2.30, they play the Miami Heat, their first game. And I was thinking to myself, it would be nothing better if they, could, if they could just take them 
this win that series and then go on and play either the 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 uh, 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 Thunder or or the San Antonio Spurs, you know, and 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 then win that win the finals and you know it would just end so well and so well. And it's make every bit of struggle that they're going through worth it. All of the all the ups and downs, all the bad things that people have said about them. If it would just all end that well, that's what I'm hoping. You're probably thinking right now, I hope, I hope this has something to do with something, you know. I uh, hope there's some point in this. There, there is, okay? I think there's a lot of similarity to our own lives with what Roy Hibbert and his fellow Pacers have been going through. One day we're doing really well on how we're living life. We're thinking the right thoughts. We're, we're saying the right things. We're doing the right stuff. And at the end of the day, we feel like the day's been a winner. We feel like we won. It's been a great day. And then we wake up the next morning. And I don't know what happens, but it, it, that, that day does not go well at all. In fact, it goes terribly. We, we, we're thinking the wrong stuff, we're saying the wrong stuff, we're doing the wrong stuff, and at the end of the day, we go like, what? Well, this, this day's been a loss. What happened to me? I know I've had both of those. Anybody else have that kind of experience? One day you show up. You're intentional on, on doing what's right, and, 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 and your life is having a positive impact on, not only on you, but everybody else around you. But then, the next day you don't show up. You, you say and you do things that have no positive impact on you or anybody else, and you get to the end of the day and you say to yourself, what was that all about? Thinking about this, projecting forward into my own life, number of years, you know, that God still got for me on, on this planet and, and everything in me, wanting it to end well. I'm so thankful for the set of verses that we come to this morning, the eighth chapter of Romans, because what they show us is this, and this is our the thing I want you to write it down and take home with you, uh, and I'm going to say it a lot of times this morning, and it's this, and I'm, I'm going to say it, this is, this is really what Paul says in this eighth chapter in the verses we're looking at today. It's this, you're a winner on God's winning team. You're a winner on God's winning team. So you ask yourself, what do you mean, Steve, God's winning team? It's this, God, God in his infinite wisdom knows what is best, and God, in his infinite power, can make the best happen in all of our lives. And so we're a winner. As, as members of God's team, you and I have God's wisdom to guide us, and we have God's power to strengthen us. And in, on top of that, you and I can know with absolute certainty that our lives are going to end well. No matter what ups or downs we go through, the highs and lows, in the end, you're going to be a winner. It's guaranteed. It's guaranteed. You see yourself this way. I, I'm going to tell you, it makes all the difference in how you live. Same as basketball. Same as it does with basketball. You live with confidence. You don't hold back. You give it all that you got. You see yourself as a winner, and you will live like a winner. You will. That's the message 
I mean, coming right out of the 8th chapter. It's not something I'm making up. It comes right out of this 8th chapter in the, in the 12 verses that we're going to look at this morning. 12 verses that really are another 12 reasons why the 8th chapter is my favorite chapter in the Bible. And they show us, they show us this, that you're a winner, you're a winner on God's winning team. And it has everything to do with the Spirit of God living in you, who in large part is what this eighth chapter is all about. It's all about the Holy Spirit. Uh, you might be here today, and right now, this is, this is all totally new to you. You're exploring this whole thing of Christianity. You've got a lot of questions about God, and talking about God being our Father, and you're talking about God having a Son, Jesus Christ, and, and you hear about the Holy Spirit, and you, especially the Holy Spirit, you wonder, what is that, you know? And, 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 and you're wondering if, if all of this is true, and it can make any difference in your life, and if that's true, what, what I'd like you to see today is if there's a God, if there's a God who, who created this universe, who created everything, I'd like you to see that it only makes sense that this God would want to have a relationship with you, that God, that this God knows what's best for you, knows what's best for me, and, and this God has what it takes to, for you and I to be able to experience the best possible kind of life, the kind of life that God wants for each one of us, which is exactly what the book of Romans is all about. That's why I, I just absolutely love the book of Romans. In the, first eight, in the first six chapters, we, we learn what we need to learn about Jesus Christ. We, we see how Jesus Christ makes it possible for us to have a relationship with God through his death on the cross, through his resurrection. And then we get into the eighth chapter and we begin to learn about the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit helps us to be able to live the life that God would have us live. The, the Holy Spirit strengthens us to trust God and to obey God, and he guides us in the choices that we make every day of our lives. As we saw last Sunday, the Holy Spirit helps us pray. That's where it all starts. Takes over when we're at a loss what to pray. I'm guessing we've all been in that situation at some point in our lives where we find ourselves in circumstances that are, are confusing or difficult, and we honestly don't know what to say. We don't even know what to pray. We don't even know how to begin. And, and what, what we're going to see in a verse here in a second is that the Holy Spirit, when that happens to us, takes over and, and prays for us. Unfortunately, he does the same when we think we know what we should pray. When we really don't, when we think we know what's best, but we really don't know what's best. Here, here's what Paul said about this in verse 26. It's an amazing statement. He said, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our, in our weakness, that is, our, our, our human weakness. And, and this is it. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express, that that word groans means that the Holy Spirit fills things very, he fills it deeply for us. He, he, he prays very earnestly for us when we were unable to pray ourselves. And so that's where we begin today, where God does what only God can do to make sure that you're a winner on God's winning team. And it's this, all right? God answers your prayer by giving you what you would have asked for if you knew what God knows. 
That's an important statement, everybody. Don't miss it, okay? God answers your prayer by giving you what you would have asked for if you knew what God knows. That makes all the difference in the world, which is how the Holy Spirit prays. As Paul writes in verse 27, he said, And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. It's powerful. It, it has everything to do with each one of us being a winner on God's winning team. And here's why. It plays a huge part in making, making possible what's described for us in the next two verses. And that's for us to be able to be like Jesus Christ, which is more important than anything, to be like Jesus Christ. So Paul writes this. He said, we know that in all things, God works for the good. First of all, all things. That's everything. All the, all the good stuff that happens in your life and all the hard stuff that happens in your life. And all of that, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And then, and then he tells us what it is that's good and, and, and what God's purpose is. Right in the next sentence, he said, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. It's, you might say that Jesus Christ is our prototype. He's, he's what we're to become. That's that's what the Holy Spirit prays for us, for us to become like Jesus Christ. And it doesn't get any better than this. There's nothing more winning than being like Jesus Christ, to, to have everything in us that's true of him, to be, to be loving and to be wise and to be understanding and to be kind and to be serving and to be patient and to be forgiving and to be courageous and self-sacrificing. We, we could just go on one quality after another about Jesus Christ, and if, if that becomes true of us, you and I can live a life that's absolutely thriving, a thriving life, the absolute best. And all because the Holy Spirit does this amazing work in us that begins with the Holy Spirit praying for us. Praying for us. He does even more to make you a winner on God's winning team. Brings us to verse 30. I love this statement. It's incredible. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Paul's saying, God gets done what God wants to get done. I, here's what's so incredible about this statement. Everything in it is in the past tense, which means that as far as God's concerned, it's a done deal with us. Somehow, in the mystery of God, in ways you and I cannot explain, he foreknew you and me, and he said, I want you to be my child. I want you to spend forever with me. God predetermined that you would be like his son, Jesus Christ. He, he called you out. He justified you. He made you righteous with the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and he glorified you. Now, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, all of that is done except for the glorified part. 
But the promise that's going to happen is so certain that Paul writes it in the past tense. And what's so significant about this is that it was the Holy Spirit, it was God who guided him to write it this way, and it's significant because it means that in the mind of God, it's already done. There's, there's no chance that it won't happen to you, that you'll be glorified. There's, let me put it this way. There's no chance that you won't end well. No chance. Because as, God's, as far as God's concerned, you're a winner on God's winning team. And, and once again, the Holy Spirit's involved in making this happen. I just love every part of this chapter. Points us back to verse 11, this statement. Paul writes, if the Spirit of him, the Holy Spirit, who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit, who lives in you. We're talking resurrection to eternal life here. Paul's saying in the same way, in the same way the Spirit of God raised Jesus so that he would never die again, he's going to raise each one of us and we will never die again. Don't miss this, everybody. The Spirit of God's going to get you to the finish line. He's making sure that it's going to end well for you, that you're a winner on God's winning team. I just love saying that. And listen, everybody, it is, this is not fluff, okay? This is not something Steve Maltemeyer made up, comes right out of this chapter. You're a winner. You're a winner on God's winning team. And so then Paul writes, and it's so good, verse 31, asks a question. What then shall we say in response to this? If God's for us, who can be against us? Great question, wouldn't you say? It deserves a response, right? If, if, if we're on God's team, who could possibly defeat us? I mean, listen, the creator of the universe, the God who made something like this. Man, I mean, I just, I never get tired of seeing that, you know? It's like, Everything the Hubble's telescope shows us about the universe just makes me more in awe of God all the time. And that's the God whose team we're on. Hey, that's the God whose team we're on. Listen, everybody. The logic of this truth, the logic of this truth seriously applied to our lives pushes us to a whole new level of, of confidence in our lives. You're a winner. You're a winner on God's winning team. Do you see why I love this eighth chapter? I mean, I've just loved it for so many years. And we're not even done yet. Look at verse 32. He said, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Another great question Paul's asking. Really, it's a rhetorical question. Paul's, Paul's not asking it because he doesn't know the answer. He's asking it because he knows the answer and he wants to make a point. And the point's this. It only follows. It only follows if, if God didn't spare his son. And I got to tell you, every time I read that, and you know, I've, this is a chapter I've memorized, and every time in reviewing that, and I, I read that, I say that, God did not spare his son. It gives me the chills. If God didn't spare Jesus, 
If God let him have it, all of his judgment for our sin, if God pulled no punches, if hell came down on Jesus on the cross, how is it possible that God wouldn't graciously give us everything else we need to end life well? If God was willing to give us his son, can you imagine God holding back anything else you, you and I need to finish? You know, to finish well. <laughs> To make it to the finish line. It's a little bit like this, okay? And you might laugh at this example. Let's say you had a close friend. I mean, a really close friend who just thought a lot of you. And he thought so, so much of you that one day they decided they were going to buy you a brand new Jaguar. $175,000 Jaguar. Okay? And they bought it. And, and they went to the dealership to pick it up, and, and before the dealer let him drive away, he said, you know what, I've got a great idea to really kind of make this fun. He said, why don't we put a ribbon, you know, tie a ribbon at the front of this, of this car. And imagine your friend saying to the dealer, well, how much? How much is it going to cost me? And the dealer said, five bucks. And your friend said, Five dollars? Are you kidding me? That's outrageous. No way am I going to spend five dollars. Oh, that'd be crazy. Don't miss this, everybody. If God didn't spare his own son, if God was willing to have him suffer the judgment of hell for you, if God was willing to do this for you, you can know with total certainty that God will give you everything you need to make it to the finish line to end well. For God, it's like a penny compared to the priceless cost of his son's death. You know, when I thought about that, I wondered to myself, maybe I make my request too small too often, you know? Maybe that's one of the times when the Holy Spirit takes over for me in prayer, you know, where I pray one of my prayers and the Holy Spirit says to the Father, oh, he's done it again. He's prayed one of those little prayers again. So the Holy Spirit takes over and he groans for me, he prays for me, and he makes a request to God that's a big request that makes it possible for me to be a winner on God's winning team. And then there's verse 33 and verse 34, okay? Let me, let me ask you, do you ever get down on yourself? Anybody? Ever get down on yourself? You, you ever wonder if God's going to stick with you? Or if God's going to kick you off the team? If you have, you'll wonder what, you, you'll love what Paul wrote next. Listen to this. He said, who will bring any, again, question time, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. I've got a question for you. How many times has this happened? You meet a couple, okay, a man and a woman, and they're married or dating or whatever. We'll call one A and the other one B. Right? And you look at A. A seems so polished, sophisticated, wonderful. And B seems so unappealing, kind of strange and it's eccentric and unsightly. And you say to yourself, 
Why does A stick with B? What is A, C, and B anyway? And then you get to know them. You get to know them well, and you find out that A has massive insecurities, completely relies on all the wisdom and goodness of B. And after you really get to know them, you begin to say to yourself, why does B stick with A anyway? Yeah? In a way, it's similar to what we go through in our relationship with God. In the beginning, you sometimes ask yourself the question, will I want to stick with God? Will it be worth it? But it won't be long, and I've exp- I know this is true, I've experienced it. You, as you grow to know God better, you, you know how holy and loving God is, and you understand yourself better, you begin to understand how sinful you really are. You find yourself wondering, why in the world is God putting up with me? Why would God want to stick with me? Why does God keep me on the team? Sometimes we're our own worst accuser, aren't we? Charger, condemner. Here's what to do. Any and every time you charge yourself, you condemn yourself, or, or someone else does it for you, read these two verses. Verse 33. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies Paul's saying, God chose you. There's no way that God's going to turn around and charge you or kick you off the team. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Paul's saying, Jesus not only died for you, he's interceding for you. And here's the deal, everybody. When he's saying this, he's not saying that Jesus is pleading for mercy. That's already been taken care of at the cross when you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior. What he's really saying to his father, every time Steve Maltemeyer sins or you sin, he's saying to his father, that one is righteous because he trusted in my death for his sin. It's righteous. So anytime your own sins on the inside rise up and assault your assurance of God's love, remember, you have God the Father and God the Son on your side. They're never going to stop loving you. There's no way that you're ever going to be kicked off of God's team. You're a winner. You're a winner on God's winning team forever. So what about the hard stuff of life that assaults you? From the outside. This brings us to the, to the magnificent crescendo at the, eight of, at the end of eight incredible chapters where Paul again asks the question. He said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it's written, for your sake we face death all all day long we're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Paul's speaking from experience here. He's gone through every one of these. He's gone through trouble and hardship and persecution and 
famine and not having enough food to eat and nakedness and danger or sword. And Paul's saying that none of them ever took away his confidence of Christ's love for him. Never made him feel like God was against him. If anything, it reminded him of God's love because Jesus Christ experienced all of them. And so he writes, as he finishes this chapter, he said, no, 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 in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus, our Lord. What a great description of each one of us. You're more than a conqueror, friend. You're a super conqueror. You're a winner on God's winning team. You really are. Thought about this. I think, I believe this is true. Every one of you, myself included, when we walked into the doors of, of this room this morning, every one of us were wearing a name tag. Not, not, not a literal piece of paper that we got sticking to us. But you're wearing a name tag. It's a name that you come to believe describes you, that defines you. It may, might be what you've heard about others, what you've heard others say about you all of your life. It, it might be what you felt about yourself for as long as you can remember. And I'm guessing, and I'm thinking I'm pretty right about this, for some of you, your name tag might be something like loser or failure or struggler or sinner, or you might have been feeling about yourself in such a way that the name tag that you were wearing was shame and guilt or outcast. And you've worn a name tag like this that's defined you for years, maybe for a lifetime. And the really good news from this eighth chapter and why I love it so much and I'm so thankful to be able to share with you today is that God offers you a new name really does. It's conquered, more than conquered, it's winner, more than a winner. And the great, great good news that I can tell you is that you can exchange the name tag that you brought in with you today for the one that God offers you. And you can do it by, in prayer, giving God your name tag with everything it represents about you. Whatever it is, you can give it to God by trusting in what Jesus Christ did for you. You can exchange it for a name tag that identifies you as somebody who's forgiven, as a child of God, as a winner, someone who's a winner on God's winning team forever. You might have come here today and you've got a lot of questions about God and and you're just asking questions these days. You're still on that journey. You know what I found? One of the best things you can do in that kind of a situation is to be able to get in with a group of people who are asking the same questions and talk about it. And we, we have something for you that we call it Explore. And we make it available every Sunday and, and even during the week. 
And you could just, when you go out here this morning, if, if you're asking those questions and you would like the opportunity to have a group of other people to ask them with, we, right outside this room, there's a, we have a room called that has Explore on it. And it's got some sofas in it. And there's some people there. And you could just go and talk to them and say, you know what, I'm interested. Tell me more about that group. One more thought, okay? <clears throat> you know, I suppose over my lifetime, lots of people have given me lots of names to go on my name tag. And some of them have been good and others have not been very good. But when I go to Romans chapter 8, I get a new name. And this is the one by God's grace I've chosen to wear. This is my name. Because Jesus Christ is my Savior. I'm a conqueror. I'm a winner. I'm a winner on God's winning team. And because I know this is true, and by the grace of God, by the Spirit of God living in me, I've decided to live like a winner. I'm not going to excuse sin in my life. I'm not going to rationalize sin in my life. I'm not going to ra rationalize or excuse attitudes and behavior that I know is wrong. But instead, I'm going to go for the very absolute, very best that God has for me. Oh, it's true, everybody. Spirit of God is speaking to you this morning, and God himself is saying to you, you're a winner. You're a winner. You're a winner. You're a winner on God's win winning team. That's why I love Romans chapter 8 so much. That's why I'm so thankful I had a conversation with my son two months before he died. And I said, you know what, Greg? I'm stalling in my memorizing the book of Romans. I can't get past chapter 13. And Greg said to me, oh, come on, Dad, you can do it. He said, I'll memorize chapter 8 if you memorize chapter 14. In the last two months of my son's life, he was memorizing that eighth chapter. He was filling his mind with this truth that begins with, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And nothing, absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of God. Oh, you're a winner. You're a winner. You're a winner on God's winning team. Take it home, folks. Take it home. You can live it. You can do it. Let's pray. Father, I am so grateful to you. My heart is just so full of gratitude. Because you are so gracious. You are so loving. You are so wise. You are so holy. And you have all the power. You have everything we need to live life at its absolute best. And Father, keep reminding us of this every day, every minute of every day for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.